Okay, parody song starting. I don't know if you'll be able to hear the track, but uh, I hope by the time I start singing, you'll know what's going on. Yeah. Because this is so new to me, I don't have a... Well, here we go. I'll make your wish, I'll make your dream, I'll make your fantasy. I make the ads and drink old fashions and fuck secretaries. <laughs> I work with Roger, Lane, Joan, Burt, Pete, Stan, and Peggy, too. My name is Don, not Dick Whitman, cause I'm counting on a new beginning. My reason for living is to keep moving forward, yeah. I go to work at Sterling Cooper. I'm gonna drink all the booze that I see. I wanna be a madman forever. Cause nothing can ever stop the 60s. And that's it. <laughs> that was impressive. A good job. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I I could have come up with more. I, I feel if I had given myself a little more time to be creative with that. Um, but, you know, uh, guest, you've heard this show. You know that normally we do Family Guy p- parody songs on this. <laughs> and when uh, the funny talking dog is away and it's time for the funny talking I keep fucking this up. One of the funny talking baby is <laughs> the funny talking dog is going to play and the funny talking dog loves Mad Men and doesn't have much of a reference point for Family Guy. So maybe we're going to have Mad Men song parodies the next couple of weeks while Noah's on his uh, road trip. Uh, because folks, this is it's on the list with Noah and Mason, but just for with Mason for now, Noah is still on his road trip. As of today, he is in Nebraska. Um, making his way through the United States, uh, the continental United States. Uh, as of today, uh, Sunday, uh, May 30th, he's in Nebraska, I should say. Uh, this is the day of recording here. Um, as maybe folks may or not may not know, give myself a lot of time to edit the show each week because I got a job to do. I got other shit I'm doing now that pandemic is easing up. Movie theaters are open. I can do <laughs> things on the evenings now. Uh, and I need a lot of time to put two audio tracks together. <laughs> you know what? Look, I, I edit my, I, I'm, I, I know you haven't introduced me yet, but I, I edit my own show. And so I, I, I do my recordings usually early in the week. So it's ready by Friday. So I get there you it. Go. I See, get it. There's, there's work. Gotcha. To it. <laughs> gotcha. And you know what? Listen, maybe, maybe Noah, if he was here, would have something to say about my guests talking, uh, before they were introduced. But you know what? I don't, I don't care about rules like that. <laughs> you can start. I would prefer it, actually, if you started talking before you were introduced, because, uh, and thank you for taking the initiative on that. Uh, folks, <laughs> folks, I'm uh, very excited today, uh, this week, our guest on the show, the guest spot co-host this week is a writer, photographer, and corgi enthusiast, and you can find her on her socialist feminist podcast, Heads Will Roll. Uh, where she graciously had me on to talk about Mad Men. Uh, and I felt like it was only fair that I returned the favor and brought her on. It's on the list. She's been a online friend of mine for a little bit here. We've met in person, I think, exactly once. And mm-hmm. I forgot that, actually. You mentioned that 
when I was on your show that I did meet you in California at that Street Fight show. Yes. Um, but uh, all to get to the point to say, um, folks, welcome to the show, Heaven Ramirez. Hi. I'm so happy to be here right now. It's very exciting. I, 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 love, I love listening to this podcast because it opens me up to new things. And then also I'm like either that or it's something I'm like, you know, yeah, that's totally cool. And I'm just nodding my head in agreement while I'm listening to it. So um, hell yeah. Hell yeah. So yeah. So it's uh, thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah, you're very welcome. How are you doing this? Uh, how are you doing this fine Sunday here? <sighs> I'm doing well. I got a haircut today. So nice. Yeah. So it's uh. Is that your first one? It's in about uh 15 or whatever, however many months it's been. <laughs> it's been. Let's see. I think the last haircut I got was in October 2019. No shit. Yeah, I don't cut my hair very often, but then the pandemic kind of just pushed it even further, uh, mm. and uh, I, I'm finally fully vaccinated. So I was like, you know Very what? Nice. I'm going to go nice. finally get a fucking haircut. <laughs> <laughs> what else have you been doing since you've gotten uh, fully vaxxed? Uh, so I actually did this a week before I got fully vaxxed. I actually ended up getting a tattoo on my <gasps> on my thigh. Uh, Hell yeah. What'd you get? I got, uh, you're going to appreciate this. I got Anita Ekberg from that scene in La Dolce Vita where she's in the Trevi Ooh. Fountain. And she has yeah, like her one head of, back. Yeah, yeah. I, I've said for, I think since I've seen that movie for the first time, that I think that there's probably like maybe two or three like reasons why film exists, like was given to us from the gods or whoever. And one of them was um, so that we could capture Anita Eckberg in the Trevi Fountain <laughs> uh, and just have that. Just like as like a reminder that somebody up there likes us, maybe even loves us. <laughs> we, <laughs> so that is really cool. Yeah, I, I brought it to my artist because he did my other tattoo a few years back of um, another one you'll appreciate. Um, Death from the Seventh Seal. <laughs> Very tight. Yeah, Very it's, it, tight. It's, it's him with that menacing face um, mm-hmm. that's scary as shit. And uh, I, he did such a wonderful job on that one. I'm like, I need him to do this. If he's going to do it, need if I'm going to have anyone do a need to Eckberg, it's going to be him because he mm-hmm. knows what he's doing. And uh, when I brought in the reference picture to him, he was like, oh, my God, this is so beautiful. Like, he was so excited to do it. And nice. he had no idea who she was or anything like that. He just he just saw the reference photo and he's like, no, I'm let's do it. Let's do it. Let's get it done. And uh, people were like c- coming by the table and checking it out. And they were like, oh, my God, she's so beautiful, you know. And um, yeah. Very cool. Yeah, it was totally Very worth cool. the, the money that I spent on it, which was quite a bit. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Do you know if your tattoo guy is a movie person and, like, appreciates that? Or is, or is he just a good artist and likes to, uh, you know, help you out? Uh, yeah, no, he's definitely not a movie person because when I did the, the, the death one, he had no idea it was from either. But he could tell it was, like, the Grim Reaper kind of thing. So Oh, sure. But cool. he's, a, he's a great portrait artist. Uh, he does a lot of black and gray. Uh, which is why I chose him because I knew if I was going to get something like that done, it needed to be done right. And I knew he was going to gotcha. be able to accomplish it. So, uh, yeah, so just mainly just a portrait artist. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I feel you on the, um, uh, you know, kind of kind of jumping the gun on doing post vaccine activities. I went to like a small gathering uh, oh. with some folks like I think the two the Saturday before I went I was getting my second shot because I was just like 
I'm at 80 at this point. What's a couple extra <laughs> days here just to like, you know, go out and see some, uh, some, uh, 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 you know, see some new people all to say. Yeah. Uh, I did just get, yeah, concert tickets. That's been Ooh. the next thing was oh. I finally got some, yeah, I finally got some tickets to some shows. I've been really, really anxious to go out to concerts again. Uh, I've been going to the movies like a fucking fiend, though. I have. <laughs> I really got to. Yeah, yeah. I really got to uh, put my n- nose to the nose to the uh, grindstone and get this podcast out this week because I have movie tickets Thursday, Friday and Saturday. Oh, and my I God. I, I'd like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know so many people who have just been rushing to the movies. And I honestly like I, I felt like I would be like willing to watch anything once I was vaccinated. But I realized mm-hmm. I'm still picky as hell with what the movies I watch in movie theaters. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Because, like, the first... So, I saw the Sunday after I got my second shot, I went to see Widows at the Music Box. And the Music Box is kind of like a, a rap indie theater. Like, that's what they kind okay. of show. Um, but they are, in the next couple of weeks, like, they have, like their, their movie that they're showing is In the Heights. I think that that movie's going to be fucking huge and it's going to be really cool. Okay, yeah. Um, but uh, no, but the the movies that actually that I'm showing. So the music box is something of a, a repertory theater in the city of Chicago. And this next these next couple of weeks, I think they're partnering with Mubi actually to show like um, like just movies on the big screen, like 35 millimeter screenings and oh, stuff. Oh dang! Yeah. So my tickets are on. Th- I I just had these tickets swapped actually because they um, couldn't get the 35 millimeters printing in time, but. Um, I'm going to see Playtime, the Jacques Tati movie. Oh. First time on the big screen. Can't wait. Uh, I'm going to go see, on Friday, I have tickets to see The Tingler, the William Castle movie, uh-huh. um, <laughs> which is like an old, like, uh, an old, like, kind of horror movie that I used I watched <laughs> in the basement with a friend, with some friends of mine when I was really, really young, uh, maybe in, like, high school or something, but um, I'm really excited to see that on the big screen. Um, and then Goodbye Dragon, uh, Goodbye Dragon Inn is on Saturday, and I haven't seen that, uh, ever, so that'll be, that'll be a treat. uh, Have you seen that? No, I haven't. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, we're not here to talk about that, because none (laughs) of us have seen I know, we're, I, I have a feel, like, I was like, oh, he's mentioning 35 millimeter, we're gonna just go down a tangent, and we're not gonna be able to come back. No, 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 this is, you know... We should, I should be, you know, uh, trying to do solo bolo podcast hosting here and should steer the discussion actually to the topics at hand because, uh, well, last week, you know, uh, I had my friend Max on and uh, we switched it up a little bit, like we, as we do sometimes, where we talk about the movie first and then the album. Yeah. Uh, but this week was an all chef's choice. This week was an all guest choice. Heaven brought on both the album and the movie this week. Uh, and so, Heaven, why don't you um, promo... Uh, uh, the uh, the album that we're talking about this week. Okay, so I'm gonna try to not make this as long winded as possible, but I just kind of want to give an overview of its history. Sure, and I would even say the longer winded or the better. Okay, that is why we have you on the show. Okay, all right. Let me get a sip of water first before I start. Hell yeah. Okay, keeping that in the pod, folks. <laughs> okay, so. The album I chose, which, by the way, I had such a difficult time choosing something because I kept going back and forth mm-hmm. between like, oh, I want to do this one. No, wait, I want to do that one. No, no. And I was just like, and then I finally messaged you. I'm like, look, we're just setting this in stone right now. So I stopped changing my damn mind. We're doing 
<laughs> we're doing Team Sleep. <laughs> we're doing their self-titled album. And hell for yeah. those for those of you who are like, what the hell is a Team Sleep? So anyone familiar with the band Deftones will be somewhat familiar with this band or pretty familiar with it. But so Team Sleep is comprised of different musicians. Uh, this is the lead singer of Deftones side project, Chino Moreno's band. And it is very different from Deftones. Uh, if you're not familiar with Deftones, Deftones is a... They're considered a new metal band, and I would argue that their first two albums, Adrenaline and Around the Fur, are definitely new metal albums. But uh, once they released White Pony, which was like one of when they started going more experimental in their sound, I think that's when they stopped being new metal and they just started being their own thing. Uh, Maybe Mm -hmm. I I guess people refer to it oftentimes as horny metal (laughs) because it's got a very sensual sound and uh, it it mainly has to do with Chino's vocals. Like he's got like he can Mm -hmm. scream, but then he's also got this really melodic sensual breathy type of voice that you can hear a lot in Mm -hmm. team sleep so um Mm -hmm. when when deftones first formed uh and chino joined the band he had never listened to metal at the time his his history or his music taste was a lot of post-punk new wave um ambient type of music so like he listened to like Depeche Mode and Duran Duran the Smiths Joy Division uh so nothing of the metal sort um but he's always gravitated towards those ambient sounds and his the the guitarist in the band Stefan Carpenter uh is like Meshuga and Cannibal Corpse and everything that's kind of thrash and harsh and so oftentimes in Deftones, um, this happened with White Pony, uh, which ended up being considered is considered their classic like album. Like that's like the one mm. everyone starts off with. Uh, it ended up being a great album, but they fought a lot on that album because of how they wanted it to sound. Stefan wanted it to sound more harsh. Chino wanted it to sound more ambient. And it together, it actually made a great album. So anytime Deftones fans hear like, oh, Gino and Steph have been fighting like cats and dogs, you know, we know it's going to be a great album because we know mm-hmm. it's going to have a little bit of both to make everybody happy. So uh, because of that, Gino has oftentimes gone to other side projects to explore more, more of those ambient sounds, uh, the shoegazy sounds, uh, just something outside of metal. Mm-hmm. So he started Team Sleep technically in 1994. He was just messing around with another musician. Um, just, you know, stuff that didn't really fit in the, the Deftones box. He's like, well, I don't know if I'm really, you know, up to, you know, making a band or anything. And as, you know, he progressed in the music industry, he started meeting more um, different musicians and stuff. And then he started uh, bringing them into the fold with this project he had been working on. So a little bit after White Pony was released, he had announced his project for Team Sleep. And this was back in 2000. And he pretty much was like, yeah, so we're planning to release the album probably within the next year or so because they wanted to get off the heels of the, um, the popularity of White Pony and, you know, give it enough promotion. So um, I got into Deftones right around 2002, 2003. 
Um, so then when I heard about this project he was doing with Team Sleep, I was super excited. I'm like, oh, cool. Like, I get more, you know, Chino music. And um, some, somehow the, the, the demos for their album had leaked on the internet. Mm-hmm. And they were some awesome demos. There was one he did with Mike Patton called Kool-Aid Party that unfortunately did not make it on this final track. Um, but mm-hmm. I do recommend it if you are a Mike Patton fan. It's on YouTube. It's called Kool-Aid Party. It is the creepy one of the creepiest songs I've ever heard. It's super okay. it's super great. And Mike like Mike Patton is just an amazing vocalist all around. And there was another one he did called Death on an Airplane that unfortunately didn't make it to the final um, album either. Um, but that was one of my favorite tracks. But there were a whole slew of tracks that came on that got everybody really excited because they're like, oh my God, this sounds amazing. Like, we're really looking forward to this album. And I guess when the demo tracks leaked, I guess they kind of freaked out and they're like, oh no, we got to push it back. We got to mm. we gotta revamp these tracks. So it was initially supposed to come out in 2002 through 2003. Um, you do hear a Team Sleep track on the Matrix Reloaded album. It's mm-hmm. Reloaded the se- is the second one, right? Yes. I always get Reloaded yes. and Revolutions mixed up. Right, yeah. And I, I, it's... God bless the Wachowskis. I'm happy <laughs> that they were able to make those Matrix movies to their, you know, to, to their sensibility. Uh, I would have preferred them to be the Matrix 2 Reloaded, the Matrix 3 Revolutions, because they do always get mixed up in my head. Yeah. And I'm not sure. That's, and lest we forget, Enter the Matrix, the Animatrix, <laughs> all other manner of Matrix sort of the universe shit. Mm-hmm. But I, be- I believe that you're right that the uh, Matrix Reloaded is the second uh, second film in that franchise. Okay. So yeah, so their their track it was, it's called the Past Portal. So I think if the soundtrack is on Spotify, you can find it pretty easily. The Past Portal originally had um, vocals by Chino on the track, um, but in the final track they put on the soundtrack for The Matrix Reloaded, uh, they took the vocals out and it's just an instrumental. So that's like that was the first bit of a teaser you got from Team Sleep. Uh, so. Then, uh, about, I think, another year or two later, then it was finally announced that Team Sleep had a set album date. Uh, Mm. So, fans had been pretty much waiting for this album for five years. (laughs) And Mm. uh, everybody was wondering, like, oh, which demos are going to make it on the the album and all that. Um, It finally got its release on May... I wasn't. I don't think it was Cinco de Mayo, but it was sometime in May two thousand five, and uh, that's when you notice like a lot of the tracks had been reworked. Um, we can get into more of details of that, uh, you know, as we go through the album review itself. Mm-hmm. But that's just the background history of Team Sleep. Um, it is again a very different sounding album from Deftones. It's it's shoegazy. It's trip hop. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's electronic. It's it's got a lot of different elements to it that. Um, if you are familiar with Deftones White Pony, it's definitely more of the vibe of, of Teenager, the song Teenager, um, or if their self-titled album Deftones, uh, Lucky You, it's in that realm, uh, of sound. Gotcha. Gotcha. That, uh, that answers basically any question that I was, that, that whole thing answers any question I was about to ask, like. <laughs> When did you get into Team Sleep? How long have you been in Deftones? <laughs> Things like that. And just got a little history lesson with Deftones there. Um, did, Deftones had an album that came out a couple years ago, right? Like, they're still somewhat putting out music and working together? Oh, they just released an album last year. 
gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> I was I was making sure that I, that I had that right. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I never heard of this project before, and I remember like, you know, when I was in high school i had a friend that was really into like kind of metal and and new metal a little bit Mm -hmm. and and deftones and i would try to like get into it so that we would have something else to talk about you know and i just it could i i couldn't i couldn't make that leap i couldn't i couldn't get over um you know and and appreciate that on that level uh yeah, and honestly, I even tried to give uh, listen to them after listening to Team Sleep, and I was just like, I don't know what it is. Some, it's some, <laughs> maybe I need to give it another another shot. <laughs> Couldn't quite unlock it just for me here. Yeah. Um, but all to say, like I never heard of Team Sleep before, and that's what's really exciting for me is whenever um, you know either a guest or Noah or somebody brings on uh, something that I have no like I can just kind of come in completely new. Basically, I had no idea that this was a Chino Moreno. Uh, kind of project and it wasn't until I finished listening to the album for the first time that I was doing like kind of preliminary research that I realized that this was like kind of a deaf tones kind of side side project or at least a Chino side project there mm-hmm. um, but I guess all to get to the point that like uh, you know you, you mentioned uh, you know this sort of more uh, 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 shoegazy kind of trip hoppy kind of stuff like that um, and that is more like music that I, uh, and I guess a little like kind of post-rocky stuff too, a little more post-rock yeah. stuff happening in this album, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, and that's all stuff that I really, really like. And, um, you know, in the, the period of time when I wasn't listening to Deftones with my friend, I was listening to Massive Attack, you know. <laughs> oh or, yeah, definitely. You know, or other like kind of trip hoppy stuff. So it was kind of like, uh. Uh, like a Reese's peanut butter cup of like, <laughs> uh, just like high school, like kind of era music for me. Um, but it was an interesting listen, I thought. And at the end, like, I really do, uh, like this album. I thought it was really, really cool. Um, especially because it is like taking in all of these kind of like, um, disparate sounds and disparate like kind of elements like the, there's that trip hoppy kind of stuff you know there's um uh you know as much as there's this like kind of atmospheric like kind of just huge torrential like kind of post-rock stuff there's a lot of just like really headbanging tunes here mm-hmm. and a lot of other just um just it's uh it's a really really cool album i'm glad that you brought it on uh so what are some of your favorite like when you put this on, and this is a long album too, I guess, like compared to other albums, it feels like it's 53 minutes and it does feel like they're putting an awful lot of, it's impressive that they made this much music, um, I think, um, and got it all together. And there's even stuff that we, or that isn't on this release. That's just like kind of still out there in the wild. Yeah. Uh, it's, I, I think that that's tremendously um, impressive. Um, but when you, you know, do you come back to this album um, frequently, or do you just do you go more towards like uh, I guess just just Deftones stuff if you're in kind of a Chino mood? Uh, yeah. So great question. First of all, I wanna uh, I appreciate you trying to get back into Deftones. Deftones is I always warn people it's not the easiest band to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it, 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 when I first listened to them, it took me a while before I got into it, like before I clicked when I'm mm. like, I like this band, you know, and it's, I always describe Deftones as that band, like it, it, Deftones are like that guy at the party that you see and maybe you're like, nah, whatever, you know, and but then you find yourself talking to him 
And you're like, okay, he's kind of funny. He's kind of charming, you know? And then by the end of the evening, you end up falling in love with him. Um, oh, that's how I'm trying to be. That's how I'm, <laughs> that's who I'm trying to be at the party. <laughs> now that you're all fully vaxxed and ready to go. Now that we're all fully vaxxed, <laughs> listen. <laughs> exactly. So it's definitely, they're definitely a band that, um, you know, they're very well renowned. They're very well respected in a lot of music circles mm-hmm. and stuff. So um, I do appreciate when people at least make the effort to try to get into them. I don't expect them to get into them. And if they do, then that's just a, a treat. But I do appreciate the fact that you did try. Um, but, you know, it, it's not a band that's going to click with everyone. And that's completely OK. Um, mm. But in regards to this album for Team Sleep, uh, you know, it's an album I do um i do revisit i don't like deftones is considered one of my favorite bands but it's not a band i listen to a whole lot uh Mm -hmm. if i do listen to them i'm binging them for like maybe three or four weeks and then they're put aside uh just because they're they're kind of like i don't know how to explain it like i love their music but after a certain point you're like i need to listen to something else (laughs) no i totally feel that i'm like that with a lot of my favorite artists too like i definitely like it's me it and sometimes i think it's like a seasonal thing like depending on like the season or the time of year like yeah if it's like winter like late fall or early winter like that is like deep when i am just like in kind of like a jason molina pit you know like just going through that guy's entire all of his projects too i guess it doesn't like you know maybe magnolia electrico which is probably my favorite album that's a great fall album by the way that is but that's also one that like i can put on any song throughout the year like just any one song you know it's just like if i need it um or i guess i also kind of fall into this with like album cycles too like i've been listening to so much saint vincent um because she had that new album her new stuff i haven't listened to her new album yet is uh, i'm assuming it's good I I appreciate the new album. I'm trying to the more that I listen to it and the more that I try to kind of like uh I have a lot of thoughts about the new album. Um <laughs> I like it. Okay. Uh, like on th- on third or fourth like listen through, I think I finally settled on I like it. Okay. Um but like all of her earlier stuff was really like kind of big for me in college and every time that like she has a new project coming out i just take it as the opportunity to go through you know that whole thing mm-hmm. um same thing like with summer and especially now that i'm back in chicago this has been a real wilco kind of couple of weeks <laughs> <laughs> late spring early kind of you know beginning of you know quote unquote summer there yeah. um so i get that i get that but i do also understand where it's like you you listen to a lot of music for this for a, a truncated period of time and then you're just like I know there's other stuff out there. Right. Like, I don't need to listen to Ceremony by Deftones for the 50th time in a row. I need to <laughs> put that aside. Let's let's pick up some Godspeed You Black Emperor and let, we'll... <laughs> to kind of even it out. It's a real out of the frying pan and into the other frying pan kind of situation. Uh, that's usually how it goes. Like, right now, I'm listening... I know we're getting off track, but right now, I've been really into Emma Ruth Rundle. Um, her stuff. I'm not familiar with her. Oh, you aren't? Oh, she's wonderful. Like, if you, if, if, yeah, you should definitely check her stuff out. Um, like, I know when I'm, like, kind of going through a depressive episode is when I put on On Dark Horses, which is, I think, probably my favorite album of hers. Um, it's okay. really just beautifully done, and her voice is just so melodic, and it, it's sort of, it's just, it's just comforting. Um, it's kind of gotcha. like chicken soup for me. 
And so I recently got into her other project called Marriages. And so I've been like listening to that album like nonstop this entire week. Like I just can't get enough of it. But gotcha, anyway, gotcha. we're not talking about Emma Ruth Rundle. <laughs> yeah, no, there'll be <laughs> that's an, a, a whole other podcast is the Emma Ruth Rundle podcast. Um, but Team Sleep, though, um, one thing that I did, um, this is a, a one thing that I liked about this album was um, kind of it, it did kind of feel like being on like kind of a journey of the band and the project trying to reconcile all of its disparate elements, I think. Um, You know, and I think that they, not to say that it's like, you know, um, kind of unfocused or um, uh, incongruent or something like that. I think that it's a, a, um, well, you were mentioning Emma Ruth Rundle's, Emma Ruth Rundle's voice. And I was just thinking, and I don't know if this is just a thing with Chino and his, in his singing voice, but I just love how, you can't make out a word that he's saying for most of it. Uh, it's all, and I think that, you know, you described uh, the band and his singing is like very sensual and it is like kind of, it's a sensual thing. It's like just, it's, it's, he, you, you can pick up that there's vocals here, um, but it's just something that you're like feeling rather than understanding if that makes sense. No, um, that, I, I don't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. Um, no, you're good. Uh, yeah. So Chino's style in regards to writing lyrics Um, which Mm -hmm. might make a little bit more sense with what you're talking about, uh, Mm -hmm. is the music is made first. And then he'll go go into the studio and he'll listen to the the music and play it back. And then he'll he'll start writing lyrics. And he'll start testing stuff out and and, and the the actual one. He's actually recording it. Uh, So it's... So he, like, he, he... Pardon me. So he, like, he fits his voice and how he's in this in these projects like to the music that's created already that is interesting yeah, yeah that is correct it's, it's a very it's it's almost kind of like a lynchian way of doing it where no seriously yeah 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 i think that's yeah that's a really cool comparison yeah because it's just like because it's like usually you know like for a lot of different musicians they always have like the lyrics and then they just come up with the music right after and, and all that mm-hmm. but yeah there have been a couple of interviews where he's like yeah there's been a couple of tracks where i'm just like i can't get it and i'm just in the studio all day just singing and he's just harmonizing and whatever and that's how he comes up so like a lot of imagery you get in like um his lyrics whether it's daft tones or team sleep it kind of does deal with a lot of similar themes uh, so mm-hmm. like a lot of references to waves and sailing and lungs and breathing. And um, if you're familiar with his music, that is, you will notice common themes that kind of come up throughout his lyrics. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure he probably works team sleep in the exact same way uh, where it's just it just comes to him once he hears the track. Gotcha. 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 That's cool. I, I like um, you and I are both big lynch heads yes (laughs) um which is you know he's a very uh oh man there are people that are huge lynch heads there are people that like his movies just fine and there are people that just like kind of cannot with him at any level um but one thing that i really appreciate about his like kind of workflow and his artistic kind of um i guess style or approach is that sort of like just 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 that kind of like just the the process of just grabbing what's ever coming to you and just like trying to make something with that Mm -hmm. um i think is really cool and you know i i think that um you know 
some people have a patience for that and have a patience for that, like kind of, uh, or the work that can come out of that. Uh, and other people just can't. And that's just, you know, that's their prerogative. You can't force people to like something that they don't have any interest in. Yeah. But for me, I, I really just like that. I like that, that, that sort of, um, degree of, of, um, I guess, uh, artistic inspiration. Mm-hmm. Uh, in any case, what are some of your favorite tracks on this um, album then? Okay, um, so I I actually have a lyric from one of their songs tattooed on my wrist. Uh, I don't know. Oh, if... wait, let's let's show it to the camera real quick. This will be uh, let me see for... if I can get it angled properly. Can okay, you see yeah, it? I what's can't... it? What do we... Oh, it's backwards. It's backwards. Okay. I can't read All right, I'll just read it off to you. <laughs> um, so it's from the track Ever Since World War One. And mm-hmm. it's the very first lyrics in on the track. It's you waste your life making film. Mm. So as a film degree person, <laughs> I can appreciate exactly. that. <laughs> and uh, so that's like, so ever since world war one is definitely one of my favorite tracks. I think it's, uh, it's moody and it's melodic. Um, I just really love that first lyric that he just kind of comes out. And I think you had mentioned, like, you know, there's a lot of different elements to this entire record that kind of it tries to coalesce in, in a mm-hmm. certain way. And I feel like on the track ever since World War One, you know, you definitely get the melodic elements. But at a certain point, he's like... Uh, he, he's almost kind of almost screaming, like when he say, uh, ceases to operate, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. almost like he's like raising his voice and off, but he's not quite there with the screaming elements right. to it. And, uh, I, I, I don't know. I just, I just, I, I really like that balance between the melodic and like almost like trying to get to the, over that hump, but maybe not quite making it, but it works in a weird right. in a weird way um so that's definitely probably my favorite track off the entire album um i also there are a couple of guest vocalists on this album as well if, if you mm-hmm. if you didn't notice so uh mm-hmm. one of them is mary timoney from the band helium are you familiar with them it sounds familiar her name actually sounds kind of familiar is she, is she involved with other stuff uh, I, um, I she's done so much stuff because she's been around since the 90s helium was back in the 90s and uh, there's mm-hmm. this one track that I really liked from them. Uh, it was like it was something with the cowboy. helium sounds like a band called helium sounds like a contemporary of like filter or something like you know like those kind of like one word post rock kind of ones that like maybe maybe I uh, as a younger millennial have heard like one song of on like a TV <laughs> show or something you know I, uh, like a CSI or something like that. They were more like a um, like an indie kind of. I guess kind of maybe a little a little shoegazy type of band. I'm trying to remember what track. Oh, Hold on, I'm, I'm, like. I'm looking up the track. I'm thinking of. Uh, is it this? Is it off this one? Because they were on Matter. Yeah, I'm looking at them at on Spotify right now. Nothing looks familiar to me though. Oh, um, oh, that, that's what I was thinking of. Leon Space Song. That's one of my favorite tracks by them, and it's kind of trippy. I, I, okay. Ooh. Okay. I, I would. I, I would check it out. It's. It's definitely. They were off Matador Records. If that gives you an idea of what maybe their kind of their sound is like. Um. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. So she. But she's been in a bunch of side projects, and she's. She's also done her own solo work. Uh. So she does the track Tomb of Legia on that one. That's. Yeah, I really like that song. Um. 
and it was like uh, both like all times that I've listened to, I listened to this album for the show when her voice comes in in Tomb of Legia, it was such a nice like kind of little oh hello there just like a little like hello <laughs> surprise <laughs> yeah someone else just coming through yeah. on the track I like that song a lot Tomb of Legia like there's like there's a live music sample in there I think the drum machine sounds really cool on that song mm-hmm. um and there's kind of like I don't know I, that song in particular I feel like there's a little bit of uh like kind of it feels the most like I mean it's just because like Chino's not singing or writing the lyrics or something, but there does feel like, you know, kind of. I don't know. I heard that song and I'm like, it kind. This is a song that to me kind of feels like um, someone's telling me like how, just the weird like kind of what it's like to perform live, you know, like to at kind of like the level that these people would be performing, you know, like, um, like kind of a big crowd and kind of how overwhelming and exciting that can kind of be, mm-hmm. uh, that song I really, really liked, um, a lot. Maybe Mary Timoney is also fodder for another podcast. I'm just looking at it right now and she seems interesting. I think you um, might actually like some of her stuff based off of your taste. Mm-hmm. I would definitely, you should definitely check her out and check out Helium. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, um, I really liked, um, my two favorites, I think, uh, were the back-to-back of Princeton Review and Boulevard Nights. Like, oh. I really loved those kind of, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, it, it's less, less melodic stuff, I think, definitely, but definitely the most, I think, a kind of atmospheric and kind of, like, darkest, uh, darkest stuff, um, stuff that was really just... Uh, I felt like I could just kind of like sink into almost, you know, I was yeah. almost getting like over, like kind of uh, enveloped by the sound of those two particular songs. Um, I, I, and one of my notes for Boulevard Nights was uh, love the torrential drums, real headbanger shit, slow, sounds like the Matrix. <laughs> um. You know, funny thing is Boulevard Nights, their demo, the demo for that song had no vocals on it originally oh it was just an instrumental so i remember when i heard this song when i first listened to this album i'm like oh cool they kept this song on i love the song and i initially hated it when i heard chino singing i was just like Mm. what the fuck (laughs) this changes (laughs) the layout of the the song completely um but over time i've actually really appreciated the vocals but initially when i listened to the final um the final version of this track i was not happy Mm -hmm. with it at all i was it was like probably one of my least favorite tracks on the album but i would say now that i actually really enjoy it Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I like. I ended up giving like um, the heart to most of these. Uh, just on Spotify, the heart to most of these tracks are the only three that I didn't give the heart to were uh, Delorean, King Diamond, and Live from the Stage. And I kind of feel like I don't know. This is a fifty-three minute long album. <laughs> I kind of don't. I I don't begrudge them wanting to put a lot of you know most of the music, especially like when doing some research here. I could tell that they had just like kind of as a lot of bands do label trouble. <laughs> and so yeah. they wanted to maybe, you know, get um, as much onto just like kind of uh, tape as they could and out for sort of, you know, public consumption and kind of on their own terms there. Yeah. Uh, and this is also, I believe they're to date only studio release. Yeah. Um, they, gotcha. they, they've been pretty much dormant. Um, Chino created another side project called crosses, which I think he is more involved with, with right now, which is more of like a, goth dark wave type of sound um more mm-hmm. definitely more synth based um they do have one live album uh the from the woodstock sessions uh which is actually where you can hear one of the demo tracks death uh uh by a plane 
Uh, they actually they mm. actually do play that one live. Um, that one I I really like the. I'm not really big on the live albums personally, uh, but I actually right. really like this live album. I think there is definitely it definitely it feels atmospheric. Gotcha, mm-hmm. gotcha, gotcha. Um, before we get into fast facts and kind of wrap up stuff here. Uh, do you have anything else you want to say either about uh, this album or Deftones or, or Chino Moreno or, or anything like that? Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, I because um, I know there was one episode that you guys had done where you guys reviewed Drive Like Jehu. Yeah, with Chris mm-hmm. Bell. Yeah. yeah. And I almost went because Rob Crow does a couple of tracks off of this album as well on Team Sleep. <laughs> No shit. Okay. Yeah, he did, uh, I believe it was Princeton Review, and he did Elizabeth, and he did the last track, Eleven Eleven. Oh, those are three, actually, those are three of my favorites, or ones that, like, really made me go, like, my antenna go up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, that is cool. I had no idea. I missed that, like, just doing my research there. I didn't know he was involved in this in, uh, at all. Yeah, so um, when I listened to Drive Like Jay, at first, I, re- I really wanted to do Pinback as the album I wanted to review. I wanted to do Summer. <laughs> that would have been cool. I would've, yeah, yeah. I, would've, I wanted to do Summer and Abaddon because you can, like, when I remember when I first listened to Drive Like Jay, I'm like, this sounds a lot like a lot of different bands I listen to, and one of them was Pinback. And I'm like you know what pinback is like a band i feel like that doesn't get enough recognition for what they do yeah no i i heard uh, i listened to pinback like after we did that episode with chris just like kind of doing um you know just like kind of getting some rob crow kind of research done or whatever Mm -hmm. um and that out that band and that project really like resonated with me what's that oh what's that pinback song it's like oh um I know, I know the track. Uh, I'm looking it up. Uh, it's off of such a su- blue screen life. It's uh, uh it's not Penelope. No, um, it's not Penelope. is it X? Is it Tripoli? No, it's not. Tri- it's off of Blue Screen Life. Well, I'm pretty it's sure. It's on the tip of my um, tongue. Give me a second. I'm gonna find it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, Pinback actually would have been good. Uh, good show fodder here. Um. That's cool. Gob, uh, <laughs> uh, Rob Crow is also uh, involved. I believe Rob Crow, and if he's not, I, I guess I can just finally talk about this particular this particular project that I found that I think is really funny. Uh, they're, it's a band called Goblin Cock, which is you know double entendre, <laughs> uh, and I found them because they ha- I found them because they have a really good cover of the Roach song Hammond song, um, like this really like kind of like speed metal kind of version of that song which is like you know um Hammond song's a very like kind of beautiful kind of elegaic song uh and then it's just like if you go down to Hammond it rocks it rocks so listen to the Hammond song okay. covered by Goblin Cock folks <laughs> even if Rob Crow isn't involved in that at all but to my memory he is okay it's Concrete Seconds that's the track name that's it yeah okay thank no, you no that's thank a really you, good track you. but yeah I almost I almost reviewed Pinback and then when I was thinking about it uh i think team sleep came into my brain and i'm like you know what that's got a little bit of rob crow it's got a little bit of deftones mm-hmm. like yeah, i think that would be a good conversation piece as well um yeah, but but yeah. yeah like the reason that's how actually i got into pinback was because of the team sleep album because i ended up downloading a couple pinback tracks after uh i listened to the team sleep self-titled album and then i ended up buying summer and abaddon so and Very cool. I became a fan. Hell yeah. So yeah. Perfect. Cool. All right. Well, let's get into some fast facts here. <clears throat> 
Team Sleep is an American experimental alternative rock slash post-rock group led by Deftones singer-guitarist Chino Moreno. Uh, a lot of this stuff is going to be redundant because, you know, we have a, a Chino Moreno <laughs> expert on the show that uh, started off this section with a lot of the stuff that I have here. And for that, we appreciate Heaven for coming on the show. Uh, other members include uh, guitarist Todd Wilkinson, turntablist DJ Crook, bass guitarist Rick Verrett of Sacramento-based alt-rock group Tin Fed. Do you have any familiarity with Tin Fed? Um, I think I might have listened to like a couple of tracks back in high school, but uh, it didn't really leave gotcha. much of an impression on me. No problem. Uh, drummer Gil Sharon of the Dillinger Escape Plan and bassist Chuck Doom. Uh, Team Sleep formed in 1994, as Heaven was saying, when Moreno and Wilkinson bought a four-track Porta Studio cassette tape recorder and began casually collaborating on music through production of the first two Deftones albums. DJ Crook was a friend and roommate of Deftones turntablist keyboardist Frank Delgado, and the Team Sleep song Teenager was repurposed and, and, and included on White Pony, the Deftones 2000 release, as Heaven was saying earlier. Uh, Team Sleep formed, uh, performed a number of live shows on the west coast of the United States in late 2001 and early 2002 with Moreno, Wilkinson, DJ Crook, Verrett, Zach Hill, actually, of Death Grips, mm. uh, Dan Elkan, uh, um, Pocket for Coderoy slash Them Hills, I believe those are two other music products, mm-hmm. projects, rather, uh, Sonny Meguba of Fallacy, sla- uh, the prior band of Deftones drummer Abe Cunningham, and Joel Tidwell Handling Instrumentation. Uh, the original release, which was set to drop in 2001, was pushed back after unfinished tracks from the record were leaked to the internet and Power 106 in Los Angeles. Uh, and Power 106 in Los Angeles, rather, immediately began to play Mercedes, their song, on the radio. Mm-hmm. Although this was a slight setback, the band continued to write together, eventually developing new original material. Team Sleep's record, debut record, was originally scheduled for release in November 2004, but Maverick Records uh, were reportedly so impressed by the album that they postponed the release until mid-2005 to allow for promotion. I believe that the official Team Sleep, um, Team Sleep uh, website puts that, uh, remembers that slightly differently, but in any case, uh, the debut album contained only five of the original tracks. Three of those were heavily reworked. In 2004, in October 2004, rather, uh, DJ C- premiered the Team Sleep demo Cambodia while opening for Deftones at a concert at House of Blues in West Hollywood. Uh, the title of this song, which was co-written by producer Greg Wells, was later changed to Ever, uh, open bracket, foreign flag, close bracket. Uh, the official Team Sleep uh, website appeared in early 2005 and included songs and videos for free downloading. A full album's worth of materials was finished in 2002 to 2003, but not officially released. The instrumental song, The Past Portal, was included in The Matrix Reloaded, the album. Oh, yeah. There we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, the April 2003 soundtrack for the film The Matrix Reloaded. Team Sleep, the debut uh, and to-date only album, was released on May 10th, 2005 to mostly positive reviews. Uh, the Team Sleep website is still up and still looks like it was a uh, kind of an angel fire <laughs> page, which I think is... I appreciate that. I love when no one's done any kind of work and you just see those kind of like old, you know, um, old websites floating around up there. Uh, in any event, uh, Moreno has this to say about the difference between projects Deftones and um, Deftones and Team Sleep, that is. Um, 
Uh, quote, Deftones are known for a certain amount of chunky guitars and me being aggressive vocally, and in Teen Sleep, I didn't need to worry about any of that. In Deftones, there are guidelines that we stay in, uh, there are guidelines that we stay in because of the fan base that we've built. With this, I'm freer, and I'm working with different people, and everyone works differently. With Team Sleep, I don't think about guidelines, I just do what I feel, end quote. Um, that is a cool quote, I like that a lot, and I think that that kind of, I guess, um sums up, I guess, my feelings there is there's a, a looseness and kind of a, a, a free kind of a, a spare, like an experimental kind of, you know, just, um, looking for sounds, finding sounds, seeing what fits together and sounds cool that I, that I really, really appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, heaven, uh, if, uh, as you know, on the show, we have the Mercedes Valuable Player, which, as we, uh, you know, uh, named after CD's Mercedes Ruel, uh, as Connie in Married to the Mob, we give to something that we like, could be uh, a, a member of the band for a music project, could be a, a song, could be just the kind of general vibe. Uh, but in any case, what is your Mercedes Valuable Player for Teen Sleep, Team Sleep's self-titled debut album? Oh. Oh, I, I didn't think about this part. I was like, oh, yeah, I have to do this. Hey, listen, I host this show. I co-host the show. And I never think about this until no one <laughs> Okay, that makes me feel a little bit better because I was like, oh, shit, I'm supposed to pick the MVP. Okay. Um, I would say I, I think just like off the top of the dome, I want to say probably Rob Crow. <laughs> Weirdly. Really? Weirdly, no. Wow, okay. Like, I think, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Chino's great. Like, I love Chino. I love him dearly. Mm. Um, But I don't know. There's something, there's a tracks that Rob Crow sings on specifically. I just mm. feel like it just works so well with the music that I think it mm-hmm. gives, it gives the album almost a kind of interesting flow. You know, because mm-hmm. his his tracks are scattered throughout the album. So you've got it like, you know, in the beginning and in the middle and in the end. And um, I I don't know. I just uh, I, I think it just his vocals just work really well with like a trip hop back backdrop. It just. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, I think it just carries it through. And I think even with the tracks that he sings along with Moreno, it, it's it just works beautifully. I don't Gotcha. Yeah. I like that. That's cool. Uh, I think I'm going to give my a co-Mercedes Valuable Player, actually, to the tracks that I highlighted earlier, Princeton Review and Boulevard Nights. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like how those two kind of complement each other and this, this sort of, like... Um, I don't know. I thought a lot about when I heard those two songs of just about like driving late at night in Los Angeles, which was one of my favorite things you, to do when I needed to, you, you know, like clear my head or something. Definitely. Um you know, and just like how, you know, it's, it gets pitch black in Los Angeles and then you're just on the streets and there's these just kind of points of light that are just like kind of coming at you and you kind of know like that there's another person guiding those, but you don't really know who they are. You just see this like kind of light and this kind of just stuff coming at you. Um, cool feeling, cool thing to be reminded of. Um, and I don't know, those, that would be my co-Mercedes valuable player. And with that, I'm going to give this album a recommend. I think that especially if you like like kind of shoegazy stuff, um, kind of lower, slower stuff, um, this would definitely be up your alley. Uh, even if you, you know, you know Deftones and you're like me and you've, you've tried them and, and can't quite get into them. 
I think that there's something here for you. Uh, I think that there's like kind of a, a mood or an atmosphere or something. There's plenty of songs for people <laughs> to find uh, one that they would like on here. So I'm going to recommend this one. Uh, I really, really uh, enjoyed listening to it. Uh, Heaven, do you rec- how do you feel about this album? Would you recommend <laughs> I, it? I, I would put this as a high recommend. I, I think this Hell is yeah. definitely, uh, like you had mentioned, if you could not necessarily get what the fuss is about Deftones. I think this is also an interesting entryway to at least Chino Moreno. I think his vocals, he is a pretty uh, versatile vocalist, I would say. He can go from breathy and slow to like screaming off the top of his lungs and you mm-hmm. know if the if you're into the more slower stuff this is definitely going to be an album for you i would also recommend this if you partake in some drugs some, some <laughs> recreational activities some recreational activities if you will there have been a couple of times or maybe i may have taken an edible or two and listened to this album and uh there we felt go a little, felt, cool. felt kind of good um but <laughs> <laughs> yeah i would say this is this is i think definitely a different entry point into it, at least the deftones universe i would say awesome very cool very cool well folks that was the album talk for this week we are going to move right along to the movie another chef's choice um so heaven why don't you also preview uh the movie that you brought on this week all right so the movie i picked out which again was hard for me to choose because i was going back and forth and then i finally Mm -hmm. had to message you like we're setting this one in stone as well because i can't keep going back and forth so Mm -hmm. i ended up choosing uh a movie that i have like been a big fan of since I was like maybe eight years old uh it's called now you okay. now and then and uh it's <laughs> and it's uh, it's a coming of age film that takes place in the early 70s uh it's kind of got some standby me vibes uh only with a mm-hmm. group of girls and mm-hmm. it's it's they're they're about 12 13 years old they're right at the age of puberty so you know they're starting to discover sex and they're starting to notice the changes in their bodies and they're also starting to realize that the world isn't as um it's their their naivete is starting to slowly be stripped away uh right, through right. you know just discovery of each other's problems and you know uh other outside forces that we'll get into when we review the film but mm. it stars uh christina ricci uh gabby hoffman thora birch and ashley lee moore and then those are the girls that play like the the girls the 12 year old girls and then it for the adult versions it's rosie o'donnell rita wilson melanie griffith and uh Demi Moore and the first time I watched this film I was I was about eight years old and uh I we we went to the video store I was living in Texas at the time and uh my mom and my grandma and I we went to the video store I rented uh because I'm a huge Lucille Ball fan so I rented the mm. long, long trailer because uh, and I had seen it like a million times, but I still like watching <laughs> it. Um, but my mom, because uh, now and then I just come out on video and my mom had always gotten co- um, like comparisons between her and Rita Wilson and how they looked. And she was like, I'm curious. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. And like looking. Do you do you agree with that? Kind of. Yeah. They kind of got like a similar like around the eyes and the nose. 
they definitely have like a very similar bone structure for sure. Um, I also thought she also kind of looked a little bit like Mariah Carey too, but my mom was just like, oh, Mariah Carey, I hate her nose. And my mom had a thing with noses. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> but I'm like, y- you can't really find any insult with being compared to Mariah Carey. I mean, I think she- fucking right, gorgeous right 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 come on <laughs> so um but anyway uh she she wanted to rent the film to see what the fuss was about and it was it just been released on video and i remember watching it with my mom and my grandma and i think those were like the two perfect people to watch this movie with as like a yeah. really as a young girl but it was just i don't know i just it was so much fun just watching these girls just bike around this little small town in indiana and just mm-hmm. getting into you know just getting into mysteries and just hanging out with each other and bonding i don't know there was just something i really loved about the movie and i've just always been a film i revisited and i've shown different girlfriends and they're like oh my god i love this film like i always show it to girlfriends i never show it to guys because i feel like not to be like like an asshole about it or anything but i feel like you know like these kind of films i feel like girls gravitate towards it more because they get it yeah film yeah girl i mean i think it, it, it Doing some kind of reading on the movie, I can't remember where I read it. It might have been like a Refinery29 interview with Leslie Lincoln Gladder uh, or something, some other sort of similar article where it's like, you know, young women are asked to come to story like movies like Stand By Me or Boys in the Hood or whatever about like young men and their friendship and be like, oh, this is the universal experience. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, there's not, there's not a lot of movies, at least you know, that, that I'm aware of about, uh, young women and their friendship, but the few that there are, uh, young men aren't asked to come to those movies at the same, uh, and to kind of give them, um, the same, you know, respect or kind of, um, time or, or attention even. Uh, and it was, and it was incredibly annoying, uh, to see that my boy Roger Ebert had nothing but kind of middling things to say about this motion picture, yeah. I, which was very, very... Uh, usually he's a pretty considerate guy. Usually he can consider the audience pretty well. Uh, and I was reading his review today and just I, he completely missed it as far as I'm concerned. But <laughs> I, you know, I think that you're right that this is a movie that especially... Uh, I'd never seen this before. Uh, I'd heard of it definitely because uh, the director, Leslie Lincoln Gladder, uh, is a very prolific television director, mm-hmm. uh, directed a handful of episodes of Mad Men yep. through seasons one mm-hmm. and two, um, directed the pilot for Gilmore Girls. Um, she's one of those names that once you know to look out for her and you're watching TV, you'll like see her direct like one episode of something and you're like, oh shit, well now I know I'm in good hands, basically. Yeah. Uh, and I think that this movie was either brought to my attention because, like, kind of as an example of just how difficult it is for women directors to make movies, especially about, you know, the particular experience of being a young woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's been something that I've been kind of interested in seeing for a long time, and I was really, really uh, grateful that you brought it on the show. Because um, I've just been kind of, you know, I, that post, I, I know it mostly, I think, from the poster, which is the adult cast... Uh, like kind of embracing the younger versions of themselves. Like they're all wearing like white shirts and mom and like mom jeans and shit like <laughs> yeah, that. It's no. a great poster. Yeah. Um, and honestly, like the impression that I got from that poster was there's going to be a little more kind of exchange of like kind of timelines. You're going to see them more as adults, uh, you know, like kind of, you know, uh, in conversation, you know, so to speak with them as their younger selves mm-hmm. there. And it's really not like that. Like the adult scenes are kind of just like the bookends to the movie. 
um, where, uh, you know, it's it, the kind of the framing device is uh, Christy, who's the Rita Wilson character, Chrissy, who's the Rita Wilson character and is played by, uh, what's the, what's the younger actor's uh, name? Ashley, young- Ashley Moore, uh, Ashley, Ashton Ashley, Moore. Yeah, yeah. Ash- Ashton, Ashton, Ashley Moore, I think something like yeah. that. Uh, uh, yeah, um, she's she's having a baby, and now it's like time for everyone to get together. And it's narrated basically by um, Demi Moore, the uh, the Demi Moore mm-hmm. character, right? Who's an author? Who's uh, Gabby Hoffman? Yeah. Uh, as you were saying, um, in the kind of the uh, the nineteen seventies nineteen seventies scene there, but it really is just like um, you know the story of these these girls and their friendship in this like kind of one summer and it's not even like kind of uh you know from the last day of school to the first day of back kind of thing it's really just it's a very um uh it, it is just really just kind of hanging out with these girls you know and seeing what they do on their summer vacation and you know what they do is they you know perform seances <laughs> Try to make money to get a treehouse. Um, hang out with Gene Garofalo. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, but um, yeah. So this is a movie that meant a lot to you growing up. Like, had you come back and you said you'd come back to it like a couple, a handful of times, like throughout the years, just to kind of revisit it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it is like you know, um, Stand by Me. It's a great movie. Yeah. I got nothing nothing bad to say about Stand oh, by Me. Great film. Uh, it's on, you know, TV all the time. Um, but I was watching this movie uh, now and then in particular, and I was just, like, one of the thoughts that I had just in the middle of this movie when I was watching it earlier today was, like, you know, it's kind of interesting, that, you, you know, that there's, when you think of, like, co- other coming-of-age movies, particularly coming-of-age movies um, with with young men and young friendships, it's, like, this one adventure or this one period of time and then everything changes and they go, all go their separate ways and don't really reconnect or there's like some other kind of undescribed tragedy that happens like either over title cards or over narration. I was thinking like, you know, Boys in the Hood yeah. is another example of that. Um, and this movie I thought was really interesting because it's a coming of age story and at the end of it, like they re- like you real you you come to know about these uh these these young girls and then these adult women um and their kind of disparate personalities and you don't re- like you could think that they weren't wouldn't be like kind of compatible or still loyal for each other but it kind of just like you watch this movie and you're like these are all individual characters and individual people but their friendship is even after all of these years still intact which i think is pretty much is i i i i think that that's a pretty remarkable um kind of twist on this you know um it's it it was um i really like this movie it's all to get to the point (laughs) that i really really like this i'm so glad Um, yeah, no, I, this kind of reminds me of a conversation I had with actually with one of my girlfriends recently. So uh, are you, are you up to date with Street Fight Radio's episodes or no? Uh, somewhat. Uh, I like listen to the, I listen to the, the basement show like Friday mornings. Um, if I can get up in time, you know, uh, I, I'm really behind on my podcast. Oh, same here, same here. So, um, no worries there, but there was an episode uh recently i think it was one of the basement shows 
And Brett was talking about, uh, what was it, about, um, oh, how he uh, was watching the SNL, the Elon Musk hosted episode of SNL. Uh, I haven't heard that one. All right. Well, I'm going to spoil a little bit for you. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So I I had to send this over to my girlfriend because I knew she was just going to get a kick out of it. Uh, So pretty much he was talking about how he watched the the SNL uh, episode with Elon Musk on it. And Brian was like, oh, that must have been terrible. He was like, no, not really. I was texting somebody. I was texting a girl and, you know, throughout the entire thing. And it was so much fun. And then he started talking about like, you know, I totally forgot. And I think this is partly because he's getting divorced right now. So he's just kind of, you Mm -hmm. know, going, you know. He's on, yeah, he's on, he's on a different like kind of mindset. <laughs> so I kind of get it on that sense. But there was something he said that I thought really clicked with me, which was, um, you know, he was saying like, you know, with girls, you know, I forgot how like how much fun it was to talk with girls and just, you know, like mm-hmm. what great conversationalists there they are, you know. And, you know, he says like mm-hmm. talking with guys, they just it just fucking sucks. It's like it's like pulling teeth to get them to like have a conversation with you and to be open with you, you know, and you don't get that same vibe with women. It's it's a totally different vibe. And, you know, it's a lot more f- free flowing, you know, and he's like, dudes, dude, dudes rock. You can't say dudes rock until you start, you know, telling your friends that you love them you know kind of thing and so right exactly and he was going into that rant so i sent that over to my girlfriend and we started talking about like how uh women are just tend to like even if you're like we've had experiences where you know we're just doing whatever and we we get into a conversation with a random strange woman um but it ends up becoming delightful because we're just we're just talking we're just shooting the shit we're open with one another Mm -hmm. and we don't have any you know like inhibitions or anything of holding things back like even when I got my hair cut today you know never met this stylist before ever and it was just a nice hour and a half of us just chit-chatting and I mean it's just like sometimes with guys like you know Brett said unless they like do podcasts or something in the artistic field it's really hard to talk to them and I feel the same way it's just like sometimes it's just like fucking pulling teeth to get like more than one word answers out of them and you know I think with female friendships you know it's there there is a lot of loyalty there and there is a lot of bonding there. And I think it's just because women in general, uh, not to be like gender biased or anything like that, but I think just women in general are just a lot more open with one another. And you you yeah. see it in this film with these girls, you know, I mean, Sam, you know, she's, uh, you know, she she's always, you know, her parents have always been, you know, fighting and everything. But like she mentioned in the film, it's comfort and consistency knowing that them yelling at each other is just stasis that's normal Mm -hmm. but then things change when her father leaves and then she has to rectify the fact that okay this normalcy that i've been presenting this whole time is now going to be completely changed because i'm now confronting with the fact that my life has changed because my father's no longer in the picture i'm no longer considered a normal kid because now i'm a child of divorce and um you know she then goes through through um Oh, uh, 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 Teeny, who's, you know, whose yeah. parents, you know, are, you know, pretty much neglect her. Like, they don't, they don't, they don't know anything about her. Yeah, they're like absent parents. Like, they, they're not in the movie at all. Right. Um, yeah, they're, you know, uh, Samantha says, the Demi Moore, um, you know, in, in the voiceover, Demi Moore says that she, 
uh, her parents are like always at the country club or something like yeah, that. Yeah, they're country they're club people. Doing, yeah. And you see them like you don't even know which ones her parents are, but there's like a scene where they're having a party in the house and it's just a bunch of people over and then it like it like the house, you know, it, it, it pans up and you see Teeny on the roof of her of the the house and she's just watching a, a drive-through movie. Um, yeah, she's watching love. She's story. watching love story out of all <laughs> out of all films, at, which I th- feel yeah. like is appropriate for Teeny to be watching, <laughs> considering oh, her personality yeah. and all that. But you know, she's definitely a kid. You know, who's had to rely on herself to keep herself entertained. So she's already mm-hmm. kind of familiar with just having a fucked up family, and you know, Sam really and her form this beautiful bond with one another. In that treehouse scene. I uh, was getting a little choked up during that scene. And especially when Teeny said, like, uh, what did she say? There's no such thing as a normal mm-hmm. family. Like, everyone's fucked up it, or something It's normal like for that. things like, to be like, shitty. It's normal for things to be shitty. Exactly. And I'm just like... <laughs> it's it's a, It's such a touching scene because they're going through all the television shows, you know, because... You also have to think this is the 70s, you know, and that's still like we talked about this on my show with Mad Men. It's all about keeping Mm -hmm. up appearances, keeping up with the Joneses. And, you know, they're going over their favorite TV shows. And it's like, oh, Brady Bunch. They're both widows. Widows. My three sons. Widower. Beverly Hillbillies. Widower. You know, and it's just like. Yeah, yeah. It's just a series of examples like, see, Sam, nobody's family's fucking normal. Like, it's normal for things to be shitty and uh, you know that's it it's so true because it's like the mask is coming off um and you know these girls are starting to realize that i think like one of the biggest themes in this film is the fact that they're coming to terms with the fact that their parents are full of shit yeah you know especially when they have that one scene with brendan fraser as the vietnam vet (laughs) There are so many good like one scene wonder characters, <laughs> and and mo- and there's there's that, and it was so such a treat to see him because like, uh, it is on like I it is honestly horrific what we what we did as a culture to and, or like what culture did to Brendan Fraser. I know, Frazier. I know, it's uh, terrible. Um, you know, he was uh he I, he was very open about it. I think a, a couple years ago about just like how. Uh, you know, I think he got like just abused basically by you know his management mm-hmm. or something like that. And I think he's he's trying to make his way back. And honestly, Godspeed because in this movie, um, he's really good in this movie. Like for the the one scene that he shows up is this kind of like drifting Vietnam vet of just like, um, of just like uh, uh giving you just a sense of this guy's like kind of pain and like kind of uh, uh regret and stuff like that. Similarly. Um, I thought Cloris Leachman uh, as the grandma I love was Cloris Leachman. She's only in this film for like five fucking minutes, but those are the most yeah. memorable five minutes. <laughs> Her performance is so good. Just as like this, just this woman who is trying, who has done her darndest to suppress this terrible thing that happened in not even to her, but in her, like the, the town that they're in, uh, that these girls are trying to uncover. Uh, and just like the way that she like, when, as soon as it's brought up, she just like, like tries to get them to finish their drinks and they're kind of, and just like <laughs> is vacuuming around trying to clean up. Uh, so good. Um, but also like, uh, you know, not that like kind of one scene wonder stuff is not good. I also realized like, 
the core quartet of of young actors in this movie of um Thor Birch, of Christina Ricci, of Gabby Hoffman, and of um. Uh, fuck, uh, Abigail Moore. Ashley. I can't Ashley Ashton her. Moore. Ashley. <laughs> my God, I'm so sorry, Ashley Moore. Um, She's, she unfortunately passed away. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Sweetie, that's yeah. too bad. Uh, you you hate to hear that. Uh, in any case, like, I was watching them, and I gotta say, I think that I like the more that I watch things, and the more that like I see, especially young performers, um the more that I kind of want to like, just want to push back against the notion that young actors are like untalented or kind of just like uniformly, like just not good actors because there's honestly probably more young actors that I think are like really good and really impressive than ones that I can name that are like notably bad that like have any kind of, you know, career. And especially in this movie, like there's such a good um, and believable uh, group, you know, um, uh, uh, a, a believable group and I love that this movie um, it, like how Leslie Lincoln later like kind of blocks and shoots them so it's like there's parts where they're like of course all together but there's also like moments where even as adults are like put off and like kind of like Sam and Teeny are kind of in their own little yeah. like kind of section um, or even the three of them like you know against quote unquote another another kid Um which I think is just, like, a tremendous, like, kind of way, because, like, to just sort of illustrate that, like, even when you're in a group of friends, like, there's, you know, the, 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 I, I have four friends that I've known since high school, basically, yeah. and I talk with them every single day, like, in a group chat, um, and, you know, even if with a small group, you know, of four people, like, there's group chats that the three of them have without me and there's group chats that I have with three of the yeah, other guys that, yeah. you know, uh, the other person is and I'm like, you know, messaging one, them one-on-one or things like that. Um, that's just like a natural way for friend groups to kind of, you know, interact and, and interact with each other. Um, and that's not really something that I see in a lot of other, I think, teenager kind of coming of age stuff. Or at least maybe I haven't noticed it, you yeah. know. Um, just something that I thought was really uh, notable in this movie in particular, and it's just kind of was astonishing to me that no one else seemed to notice that in the reviews that I read for I, this. Th- you, you do make a really good point that I didn't think about either, is that I do have, like, because I have a group chat with, you know, a few of my friends, and sometimes I'll just message them one-on-one, or sometimes, you know, uh, it'll be, you know, a few of us in, in a chat different from the, the other people. It's not like we're personally blocking them out, but, you know, it's just like when you have different interests and stuff, it yeah. just kind Kind of, you know, it's like, we know this person's not going to react to this, but we know that yeah. uh, these people will react to this kind of thing. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's, um, it, it, you know, Chrissy and Roberta, the uh, uh, Rita Wilson and uh, Rosie O'Donnell characters are the two that like as adults stayed in the town and, and appear to have like a relationship. Yeah. Uh, and I guess uh, Rosie O'Donnell is Rita Wilson's OBGYN, which like, I, I... that's... Th- <laughs> That's friendship. I was thinking about that when I was rewatching it. I'm just like, you know, I love my girlfriends. They're 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 wonderful. I But you gotta set a boundary. I, I'm not necessarily at that level where I'm okay with them looking at my vagina personally. <laughs> Uh, so good for Chrissy. Yeah, giving you medical <laughs> advice on your guts like that. Like, no thank you. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not at the level where I want them looking down there, personally. Right. So kudos to Chrissy. 
Hey. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> kudos, kudos to her in that. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I was really a smitten kitten with this movie. Like, um, but what are some things that like you? What's something I guess that like you really responded to as um, an eight year old seeing this for the first time? And then like, kind of, how has your relationship to this movie changed as you've gotten older? Because um, you know. Not just that this new movie is new to me personally, but, like, I'm a guy, <laughs> you know? I'm always going to be on the outside of female friendships. I got a lot of female friends, uh, not to flex too hard or anything, but just... It, it just... You, you make friends. They're women. <laughs> uh, and it's just always... I, I love just... just I, I, I can only observe that dynamic, and it just seems like such an interesting, you know, just just an interesting and special thing to be a part of but like how has your relationship to i guess just this movie and the kind of i guess the, the themes of it like changed over over time as you've gotten older um yeah so i think when i originally watched this film i think it was a lot of it was just just seeing the adventure that these girls go through you know like mm-hmm. you know the seances and the trying to raise dear johnny to find out how he died um, and then, mm-hmm. you know, just like biking all around town and just like, I don't know, there was just something like very freeing and, and fun to kind of just watch them. It was more of like an aesthetic, I think, an aesthetic appeal to mm-hmm. the, the film that I really gravitated towards at that age. As I've gotten older, though, I, I have realized that the film really does do a wonderful job of displaying female friendships. I think there is, you know, um, you know, over the past, I want to say maybe five years, films, there have been now more films made by women who, who do co- uncover what it's like to be a friend, you know, in a group of girlfriends, you know, and, and do mm-hmm. it accurately where it's not being uh, pedantic or anything like that where, you know, because I always... I've always made the comment that like Judd Apatow was like the worst with writing female characters, just the absolute worst. They're just one dimensional and you just, you get the feeling that he just kind of almost hates women um, because he writes his characters in such Mm -hmm. a way where they're just so fucking obnoxious and annoying. And it's just like, not all Mm -hmm. women are that uptight, like, you know, and then you watch uh, something like now and then where it's like, these are the kind of conversations I was having with my girlfriend's, when I was in my puberty years, you know, we were talking about sex and, you know, talking mm-hmm. about like dicks and hard ons and stuff like that. And <laughs> going, going down to the crick and seeing naked boys. <laughs> Didn't get to that point. Um, that was the, that was the one thing I could not check off my list of things that I did as a teenager, <laughs> but we were definitely, you know, curious about sex in the world and, you know, and I, I think this film definitely doesn't hold back on that. I think this is probably like one of the first yeah. films that I, I guess I was exposed to that I felt like showed a really accurate portrayal of being a girl and that girls are interested in that kind of stuff, too, and that they can be gross as well. And, you know, it's it's yeah. it's not just something delegated to boys. If anything, sometimes girls can even be more gross. Uh, yeah, I, I believe that. Uh, I forget which character says this, but the uh, I think it's Christina Ricci's character says, "You deserve it, fart ass." I think <laughs> to <laughs> Christina, and I'm like, <laughs> I think Christina Ricci's delivery on a lot of these raunchy lines 
is perfection. Like she is so good. I remember seeing. Uh, I remember. Well, I remember having a big old crush on her as a kid in Casper. <laughs> that was a very early crush. It was for, for me. the gr- for the girls. It was Devin Sawa. <laughs> right, right. Who's also in this yeah, movie? Yeah, so they 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 get paired up again, and there's this there's this one scene that I still love, and sometimes it still plays in my head at random times. But it's when they're at the mm-hmm. creek and they decide to steal the the warmer brothers' clothes and stuff. And they're like, look at what we got here, boys. And they're like, give us our clothes back. And Christine and Ricci, just perfect delivery. I love this delivery she does. She's like, dream on, asshole. And, she like, <laughs> and it was just like, it still gets me. Like, when I saw that, I just started cracking up all over again. Because it's just like, you totally believe her. And, and she just like, I think she was just cast so perfectly in this role. I think she's yeah. definitely Roberta uh, through and through. But yeah, yeah, I think over the years, like, I think especially with this latest rewatch, you know, I think it really made me appreciate the women in my life, you know, because I think for a lot of mm-hmm. young women, you know, especially with the films that we have been raised on, you know, I think a lot of this film got a lot of flack because it was like, oh, it's just a rip off of Stand By Me, except you insert the girls yeah. instead of the boys. Yeah. And I'm yeah. just like, you know what? Both films are good on their own merits, you know? And, yeah. you know, when it, I hate when like something that's like a female version of the male version, you know. Um, I always get annoyed by those comparisons, you know, like, you know, with Taylor Swift, you know, when she released, um, what was it, um, Evermore, you know, everyone was saying, like, she's the female Bruce Springsteen. I'm like, no, she's been doing this for a long time. This is her music. Exactly. This, this isn't her. I mean, yeah. she might have been influenced by Springsteen, but she's not a, a second coming of, of, of a man. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. And I th- especially in this movie where. You know, the primary plot of Stand By Me is they're trying to see this dead right. body. You know, it's very focused on this. And they there is, you know, a sort of... And I guess... I, 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 the difference in the movies to me, and they're kind of like dead body plots, if you want to say it, is like the, the boys are trying in Stand By Me to see this dead body... You know, it's going to be this rite of passage yeah. thing. You know, it's 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 this this kid that they knew. There's this dead body, uh, and it's just like a you know a thing to do on an afternoon or over a couple of days. Basically, that's going to be like cool. You know, oh, we're going to see this dead body. Yeah. Here, it's more of like you know they they um, they 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 have this seance in front of this uh, dear Johnny. This this um uh, this headstone, uh, and it kind of kickstarts them on this sort of it's it's the b plot it's not really what the movie is concerned with but it's something for them to do basically you know is 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 investigate this this thing here this 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 uh why this kid died basically um and it's more of like i guess like a i guess to get to the point it's like more of like a spiritual thing almost um there's like a little more of a, a mystic supernatural element to it um, than necessarily the, uh, you know, uh, the body, which is, you know, Stand By Me is based off of the body by Stephen right. King, who's a sort of weird supernatural guy. And it's a very, like, kind of low-key, down-to-earth thing, like, you know, comparatively. Um, and, you know, the conclusion of, you know, to my, it's been a very long time since I've seen, seen Stand By yeah. Me. And I know that if I rewatched it, I would love it. Because it is kind of one of the it, best It's movies, one of those you know? films that when it comes on again, I'm like, oh, I love this film. 
Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Like it's 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 a movie that's easy. Like having not seen it for, for a while to be like, oh, that's kind of overrated. Like, yeah. but then you like sit down and watch, and you're like, no, this movie's actually really fucking mm-hmm. good. Um, but I like that this movie, like the kind of conclusion of that arc is, um, you know, um, I guess at the end of Stand by Me, to my memory, the boys come to understand. They grow up. They mature. That's their yeah. thing. That's their journey. It's like they are now face to face with death. Uh, it's not this exciting thing. It's um, kind of horrifying. And they just kind of have to reckon with that for yeah. a little bit. The end of this movie, like, um, they basically, you know, there's a the great, like, kind of little, uh, uh, I guess, twist at the end <laughs> uh, where you think it's about to actually go into, like, take a right turn into Spooksville. And then there's this very material kind of explanation for everything. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Samantha, uh, is the only one of that, of that quartet that, like, um, learns, like, a kind of, um, sad truth about another person in this movie, another character, someone that, that, that she and her friends have kind of dismissed, basically. Um, and you kind of get an, uh, a little more of an understanding of this guy and maybe why he's, is the way that he Mm -hmm. is. Um, and I really appreciated that. I really appreciated that there's a, a kind of a, a conclusion to this movie, an end of this movie that is, um, that, that, that helps you like that, that encourages you to bridge the gap between yourself and somebody else, you know, you know, again, I don't think stand, you know, no fault of stand by me that it's not interested in doing that. Um, but I like to find and look for things, movies in particular, that get me to that place, yeah. you know, in whatever way. Uh, and I think that this movie in particular helped me with that, not just like through the example of that character, but just like, oh man, like I remember, you know, being like a, a teenage boy and wondering what was up with the girls, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, I think that's just the end of my thought. Then. I think that's the end of my thought is that, that's, that this movie does, I think, you know, it, it's kind of underappreciated in the fact that it does help, I think, bridge the gap between yourself and other people in, in a way. Yeah. Yeah, I think I mean, I think, you know, any coming of age film, it's it's all it's all going to deal with very similar subject matter as just showing them slowly growing up and learning a little bit more about the world around them. And that maybe everything Mm -hmm. like I had mentioned before, you know, one of the major themes in this film is the girls realizing that their parents are kind of full of shit, um, that everything they've been taught up to that point has been garbage. And I think you deal with it in a more of a comedic realm with like Chrissy and her mother trying to teach her about sex and uses like this weird gardening (laughs) metaphor. What's a Bonnie hunt? Another one scene water. (laughs) And she's using this gardening metaphor and you're just, Chrissy's just like, okay and then you know when she's repeating this back to her friends you know they're like what the hell are you talking about like they get they're kind of in disbelief <laughs> that this is a this is how she's being being taught about sex and then you go from more of the extremes you know i think the um the you know towards the end of the film you know roberta is coming to terms with her mother's death and how it's mm-hmm. been kind of explained to her this whole time that she's been alive that, you know, it, it had to do with angels and that, you know, there was no pain. She was, you know, everything, you know, th- there was nothing that would hurt her. But she finds out the details of her mother's death when they're looking through to find out what happened to dear Johnny. And she realizes that her mother was alive for hours 
before she got rest yeah. before you know she passed away and that her dad had just made up a complete fabrication of how she died and now she has to rectify the fact that why would my dad lie about something like that why would he do that to me why would he put this like this you know yeah. and you can see like you know i mean you know if you're older you know you can you know the reason why he did it was to protect her you know, he he didn't want to mm-hmm. think like, you know, he didn't want to put that thought in her head of like, oh, yeah, your mother just completely suffered when she died, you know, and that death mm-hmm. is really horrific, you know, and you, you do that with kids, you know, you do that with your children. And then you have like Sam, whose parents have just consistently fought. And now, you know, they're mm-hmm. trying to pretend everything's normal. Her mother's like going on a date with Hank Azaria. <laughs> <laughs> God, so and his outfit oh in that scene God. was so <laughs> funny. I just my my uh my parents were like, you know, kids and teenagers in the 70s and when I was growing up I would hear up and down about how bad the fashion was. <laughs> and sometimes I look back and I'm like, it really wasn't that bad. And then I see Hank Azaria in like this kind of like <laughs> fucking double-breasted like kind Ooh. of like ascot with like the the really floppy hair and I'm just like well, I wasn't there. I don't know. So, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's that was a trip. Um, but I mean, yeah. you know, it, it is varying degrees of you know just discovering that the world is shittier than what these girls thought. You know, and I think being in a small town like right. that, they've been protected from a lot. And by uncovering this truth about how dear Johnny died, you know, they realized that there is a lot of shitty things in the world that, you know, they have been protected Mm -hmm. by in this little bubble of theirs. But, you know, in their personal lives, they've also realized that maybe, you know, it's it we're not as protected as we thought we were. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um. That's good. That's good. I like that. I'm just looking through my notes here a little more because I I really did have such a a pleasure watching uh uh this movie here. Uh, do you have anything while well, I'm just looking through uh, see if there's anything else I want to talk? Oh, I put a little <laughs> the scene with Devin Sawa and Christina um, Ricci and Christina Ricci where he's like trying to kiss her. I put a little smiley face next. That, to that. scene so, is so, so cute. I I I, I yeah. love that scene. I think I would have been definitely a Roberta at that age where I was like, if you tell anyone about this, I will beat the living shit out of you. I would have totally been a response yeah. to that because I'm just like, I was definitely. I think one of the things I really related to the most was. Roberta and her breasts uh, where she's Mm. taping them down and she's like no matter what I do they just keep getting bigger and she's just so (laughs) confused and I remember when I started going through puberty and uh, sorry if this is TMI but I I started developing (laughs) rather early and it was just you know all the other girls were still like they had nothing and here I am like Mm. I already have like a regular bra so what I would do is I would put on a sports bra because that flattens you out more. Oh, so sure. So I, mm-hmm. I lived in sports bras for about two years. And then uh, one mm-hmm. day I was in the locker room changing and a girl's like, you know, if you keep wearing sports bras, your bra- your boobs are going to sag. <laughs> and I was just like, Ugh. oh, no. You mean I have to go back to having boobs again? <laughs> 
it was just it was just a really confusing time but i just remember just not wanting to grow breasts at all and it was just yeah, like true. you know and then when teeny like keeps asking her like roberta how big are your boobs <laughs> and she's like trust me you don't want them and then you know she's like and then she's like look at mine today and it's like and she filled it yeah. with pudding <laughs> And I thought that was like so uh, adorable because it's like you definitely have those girls. I would have definitely been more of a Roberta where you're like, I don't want them. I, I'll chop them off and give them to somebody who wants them because mm-hmm. I don't need them. Mm-hmm. And then you have the girls who mm-hmm. are just desperate to have them, who are just like so excited. They want to get their own bra and all that. Uh, I think you definitely run across those two two spectrums and everything kind of in between. Yeah, you, I uh, thank you for sharing that. Uh, it is not often on this show hosted by two uh, men that we <laughs> hear uh, talk about boobs. I'll say so. Uh, I think that that might be a, a one of the first, uh, if, if certainly not the most notable no, uh, moment on this show in particular uh, of boob talks. So boob talk with heaven. Hopefully, um, that's gonna be my new yeah boob talk my, with my heaven podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> semi recurring segment we'll see maybe not i don't know uh podcasting is podcasting is its own beast um all right so how about we get into some fast facts okay. then heaven gotcha okay so now and then some fast facts uh directed by leslie linka gladder from a script by i marlene king uh now and then is notable for its time as it was written directed and produced by all women uh the two credited producers one was demi moore and i think maybe even uh i marlene king are the two producers on here which uh for 1995 in particular is is incredibly notable yeah. uh let, a, let alone in 2021 uh i couldn't find much about king's career before this film uh as a writer uh, but gladder had made a name for herself as an academy award nominated short film director uh she directed this film the meeting and the parting in 1985 that was nominated for a live action mm. short film uh and then she had a prolific ter- career as a tv director uh, before this film, she was known for guiding episodes of Twin Peaks and NYPD <laughs> oh, nice. Blue. Yeah, if you could imagine. Uh, and uh, d- after for directing the Gilmore Girls pilot and multiple episodes of Mad Men, True Blood, The Newsroom, Homeland, and various Law & Order franchise episodes, as well as single episode sting- stints on The Leftovers, Justified, and The Walking Dead. So, working director... Um, very, very, so you could think it was an enviable career. Um, uh, I Am Arlene King would go on to show on the popular freeform series Pretty Little Liars. Uh, the movie, which was uh, written by the name the gas, written under the name the Gaslight Edition, uh, was actually written about a town in Indiana called Winchester uh, and its Gaslight Edition. Uh, I Am Arlene King grew, grew up there as of the director Robert Wise, who made um, who's the editor for Citizen Kane yeah. and directed uh, West Side Story and Star Trek: The Motion mm-hmm. Picture. Um, Winchester declined to have their name associated with the movie, so the name became Shelby, Indiana. Uh, but later, Winchester began to preserve areas mentioned in the film. Um, uh, preserve uh, areas mentioned in the film. Uh, in the, uh, here's some just some fun IMDb trivia here. Uh, in the scene where Chrissy punches Roberta in the face for pretending to drown, Christina Ricci forgot to turn her head and ended up getting punched in the face full force. The production was shut down for a few days uh, due to Christina being badly bruised. Damn, she took it like a champ. <laughs> uh, yeah, really. Uh, Rosie O'Donnell has, uh, speaking of Roberta, the character of Roberta, uh, Rosie O'Donnell has stated that the character of Roberta was supposed to be a lesbian, but the film was later re-edited and she was made straight. Uh, the line, Roberta lives in sin with her boyfriend, was looped in at the last oh. minute. Uh, seven years after this film was released, O'Donnell came out as a real-life lesbian. That's interesting that they did that, because I definitely like, 
in that kind of diner scene, um, you definitely kind of, I definitely kind of, like kind of a vibe between Jean Garofalo and Roberta. I'm like, are they going to do a gay thing with with Roberta? <laughs> I kind of wish they did. It was '95. What you can know, you do it, though? It, it kind uh, of makes sense with Roberta's character too, because they're doing that cosmopolitan quiz, like what kind of. Uh, you know, per, like woman, are you and your sexuality type of thing? Yeah, and Roberta's yeah, just yeah. not into any of this, and she's like, I guess be, I don't know, like you know, and yeah, <laughs> she's just like this. This sucks, you know. And even when she's like, when she has that kiss with um Devin Sawa's character, you know, it it's still yeah. she's just like, it's fine, I guess, like. It's just, yeah, he's really enthusiastic, and she's just kind of. It, it was okay. fine, yeah, but I mean, I I could definitely see Roberta going for a goth girl. Yeah, 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 yeah. We would love that for her. Let's remake now and then, and Roberta can have a goth definitely. Girlfriend. Who does tarot um, readings? Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> uh, now and then was a modest box office success, raking in thirty six points thirty seven point six million at the box office against a twelve million dollar budget. It's quite impressive, yeah. honestly. Uh, critical reception at the time, however, was mixed to negative, uh, with many critics unfavorably comparing it to Stand By Me. Roger Ebert uh, called it uh, superfluous and artificial, among other epithets. Again, don't know what he was on particularly that day. Uh, it was really kind of annoying to read yeah. that review. Uh, in the years since, uh, and after a Netflix-driven rediscovery, it has been reclaimed as a cult film and enjoys an 82% uh, audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, I watched this movie on Tubi, free Me with too. ads. Um, <laughs> hell yeah. Me too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Tubi is a great streaming service. They really have a deep library. And if you can put up with two or three ad breaks, then you're really going to find some yeah, good definitely. stuff there. Uh, but in any event, um, I think that my Mercedes valuable player for now and then is just going to be female friendships. Aww. You know, there's not a lot of movies, um, portray this in such a, uh, illuminating and I, I and I at least to my you know observing of it a, a fairly honest um way and I really appreciated it for that so that's my Mercedes valuable player all right I think with my Mercedes valuable player I think I'm gonna have to go with Janine Garofalo I- <laughs> yeah that's cool <laughs> I I remember like like she's only in the film again it's like it's got like so many great like cameos that are only in maybe one or two scenes and then you know whatever but they really make memorable marks and I think Janine Garofalo both in the diner and then when the girls go visit her for the tarot card reading you know she's she's really mm-hmm. just um just a presence you know I think it, the, the the whole idea of her being like this witch type of character just really suits her and her personality you know and you know even when she's just delivering the black cows to the girls she's like that'll be a dollar sixty two yeah. boys and Chrissy's like we're girls and she's like yeah I know <laughs> and it's just no 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 change in her expression whatsoever it's just completely deadpan <laughs> Yeah, she's uh, I love Jean Garofalo. She's she is super cool. Um, I would give this. I'm gonna give this movie a full recommend. I really think people should run, don't walk to see this. I think it's a really rewarding watch. Um, especially like, uh, you know, especially if you've seen Stand by Me, which I think is most people. Um, I think it 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 holds up. Um, you know, kind of on the on the other side of that, on the girl side of that, I guess. But like, even aside from that kind of comparison, um, it just works as its own as like a movie and as like a story of friendships and and you know, um, coming of age. You know, and and uh, it's a good period piece. Uh, and it, I had 
a, a blast watching it. It was making me giggle. <laughs> like I said earlier, it made me get a little, little, little choked up at a certain at certain points. But I really think that this is something that people should watch. Yeah, I'm I'm in agreement here. I think this is definitely a film that. I think for a long time flew under the radar and I think maybe at some point I think my brother might have made fun of me for liking this film a lot but I think there really Mm. is a lot of warmth and heart to this film it's also funny and I think it's one of the first really good examples of female friendship in a film you know I think without now and then I don't think you would have like bridesmaids or you would have book Mm -hmm. smart or you would have um i -hmm. don't know if you've seen this one this was just released plan b i just watched it off of hulu uh no i no i haven't okay i would also recommend that film um it, it just the the beauty of female friendships i think there is a lot to it that i think the the world of film is just barely starting to tap into and i think audiences Mm -hmm. you know are really happy to see these friendships because I think oftentimes it's just kind of left in the shadows uh, because, you know, it's just it's it's a boys club at the end of the day when it comes to the movie world. Yeah. And so we see all yeah. the stuff and it's nice to finally see like stuff that I talk about with my girlfriends and how we interact with one mm-hmm. another. I think it's it's really heartwarming for us to see. And I think, it, it you know, it, it, it also seems to affect people who aren't women either. Gotcha. Yeah, I I uh, I love to hear that. That is um that's a, that's a ringing endorsement. Uh, well, Heaven, that takes us to the end Aww. of the show, and uh, <laughs> it was such a it was such a blast and such a treat and such a pleasure to to have it you was, on. This was so much fun. I I love talking about music and film, and this just combined both of my favorite things together. So thank you so much for inviting yeah. me. You're very welcome. Uh, this is now the part of the show that everybody loves, which is when they get to plug off their pluggables. So. <laughs> Um, what you got? Uh, where can the folks find you? Uh, if they want to get a little more right. of you. All right. So, uh, I am on, uh, so my, my podcast is Heads Will Roll. Uh, it's, uh, it's a socialist feminist podcast. Uh, sometimes I talk about like current events. Sometimes I talk about film. Sometimes I talk about music. Um, just pretty much whatever I feel like that deserves a look from a different lens. Uh, so mm-hmm. you can find me anywhere where you stream podcasts. Uh, if you want to see more of my social media presence, I am on Twitter at HWRPOD. That's H as in Henry, W as in William, R as in Robert, P-O-D. Uh, I am also on Facebook at Heads Will Roll Podcast. I don't really post much on there except for the episodes, so um, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, and then I also have a Patreon. So if you if you like what I what I make and you want to listen to some more bonus material or get like special playlists or um, blog entries and all that kind of good stuff, uh, you can go over to patreon.com slash HWRPOD, same as my Twitter handle. And then uh, lastly, I do take pictures. So if you like photography and stuff, you can follow me at Heaven Ramirez Photography on Instagram. Hell yeah. You can find Heaven at all those places. I will link those in the notes for this episode. You can find me at my podcast, The Barn, a podcast about The Shield, which uh, uh, has been uh, wrapped up and in the can. And the last couple of episodes are, are getting doled out here. Um, but, uh, you know, all the same, most of that show, uh, is complete at this point. And, uh, we, Connor and I are, uh, talking and working on something new. So be on the lookout for that, folks. 
Uh, other than that, you can find me on Instagram at HotDogDebicki or Good Sky Tonight, where I'm taking pictures of the sky out and about. Uh, I'm also on Letterboxd, where I'm, you know, logging the movies that I see. Uh, now, more often going to the movie theaters. I saw uh, the movie uh, The Killing of Two Lovers at the Century Center, Land- Century Center Landmark. Uh, and I, uh, that movie's sitting well with me. I really like that movie. So if you like kind of, I guess, uh, character drama set in the, uh, set in Utah and kind of the dusty plains, uh, about, uh, a man who is unable to reconcile his sort of, uh, uh, his family in the, in, in the, in the wake of a maybe divorce, a separation, definitely, um, but it is, uh, it's a good movie. I liked it a lot. Um, other than that, folks, you can find Noah at all of his other places, also in the link tree in the description. Um, and, you know, I'll be out and about. You might see me on the streets of Chicago, uh, or you might see me just in my apartment window. doesn't matter. In any event, folks, we're going to close out the show like we close every show by saying, Black lives matter, black trans lives matter, fuck the police, <laughs> fuck the president, but tell someone you love them this week, a friend, a neighbor, a family member, somebody like that. Someone needs to hear it, so tell it to them, and we will see you all next Amen. week. Amen.